So tonight is our last week of our Say Less series. We've been talking about this for a few weeks now. Um, have you guys ever seen someone who, uh, someone who will risk everything for the hope of saving the lives of someone else, right? Or, or, or maybe, so, so basically, basically every superhero movie, right? Right? It's like, think about this. Let's go back in time. To 2019, Avengers Endgame, right? Thanos wiped out half of the universe's population um, with the, what was it called? The Infinity Gauntlet. And at that moment, all hope was lost. Loved ones were lost. Friends were lost. Superheroes were lost, right? However, however... There was a guy named Scott Lang, Ant-Man, who escaped the quantum realm. And he found Steve Rogers and Natasha Romanoff, yes, with the idea. He had the idea of using time travel to save everybody. You guys remember how it goes, right? You remember this? Okay, so the team then goes to Tony Stark. Iron Man, and they eventually convinced Tony Stark to help out, and in the end, they, they recovered all the Infinity Stones, and the Hulk, right, he used the gauntlet to bring everybody back, right, but Thanos, once again, and his army from 2014, remember that? They showed up, and they invaded and Iron Man, one last time, saved the day. Anybody crying yet? I love you 3,000. Like, whatever. So, so though, though, thinking, we're not there yet. Thinking he had won, Thanos told Tony Stark these amazing words that everyone knows and everyone can quote. He said, I am inevitable. Inevitable. <laughs> Uh, I'm sorry, Thanos. That's what Thanos told Tony Stark, right? Yeah, no, no, no. What Thanos, hey, all right, stop. Thanos told Tony Stark, he said, I am inevitable. That's it, that's it. And then Tony, all of a sudden, showing that he had the infinity stones, and he replied with, And then he snapped his fingers, killing Thanos. But unfortunately, killed himself as well, right? It's okay. Wipe your tears. Wipe your tears. It's all right. We don't, I'm sorry to relive this for everyone tonight. I know it was a traumatic experience for a lot of us in this room, but it's okay. Shh. So sometimes, though, listen... Sometimes backing up what you say you believe with how you live means risking everything. Backing up with what you say, what you say with how you believe means sometimes it means risking everything. Would you be willing, willing to risk everything, even if your life, even, maybe even your life, to back up with what you believe with how you live? 
Like, so tonight, we're going to look at Scripture, and this is this, we've been looking at this group of Scripture, this section of Scripture, uh, for four weeks now, and tonight's the last night of it, and it's going to show us that how when we risk it all for the sake of our faith, that salvation is a direct result. So we started out this series um, focusing on James verses 14, uh, 2, chapter 2, verses 14 to 26, and here's why these verses, that's why we did this whole kind of series of talks on these verses right here, is because um, we, uh, three times in these verses that we've read, it says this, it basically says something like this, without faith, or without, um, faith without action is dead. It said that basically three times just in this section of scripture that we've read so far. It's in verses 17, verses 20, and tonight we're going to look at verse 26. And so we're going to read tonight, if you got your Bible, we're going to look at James 2, we're going to look at 25 and 26, and it says this, Rahab, the prostitute, is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works." I'm going to explain why he's talking about Rahab here in just a minute. You're like, whoa, hey, we're in church here talking about prostitutes. But, so, but I want you to know tonight that scripture makes it very clear that without actions, faith is dead. Without our actions, our faith is dead. So last week, if you were here last week, uh, Nick talked about Abraham. And, he, and you may not have, maybe you're here tonight and maybe you haven't heard of Rahab before. Um, so we're going to look at Joshua 2. We're going to go back to the Old Testament. We're going to look at Joshua 2 and see why James mentions Rahab. So I'm going to set this up real quick. Um, so God's people. So back in the Old Testament, um, God's people had just been rescued, had just been uh, released from Egypt. If you remember like the 10 plagues and the, all this kind of stuff, the, the, um, the sea splitting open, right? I don't know if you've ever seen Prince of Egypt. Great movie. You should watch it. Um, but God's people were about to enter the promised land. And so, um, and, and so this is the same one that like Moses was working towards when he led God's people out of Egypt. This is the same group, the same group of people. And so, well, actually, mostly the same group. A lot of them died, but we won't cover that now. So, so what they did, the first major city that they came to was, was Jericho. And so Joshua who's now leading everyone, he uh, sends out these spies to, to kind of spy out the land. And, he, and here's what is said in Joshua 2. And we're going to read um, 1 to 14 tonight. So it, it'll be on the screen so you can read along with me. Um, but it says this, Then Joshua secretly sent out two spies from the Israelite camp uh, at the Acacia Grove. He instructed them, Scout out the land on the other side of the Jordan River, especially around Jericho. So the two men set out and came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there that night. Side note, I know kind of a shady beginning here. So, um, But what kind of normal at this time was a person like Rahab would also be like an innkeeper or like a, like a hotel keeper kind of thing, which can make sense, doesn't, whatever. Um, but especially at a place like where she's at on the edge of town. And you'll see that here in just a minute. But someone told the king of Jericho, some Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent orders to Rahab, bring out the men who have come into your house, for they have come here to spy out the whole land. 
Verse 4, Rahab had hidden the two men, but she replied, Yes, the men were here earlier, but I don't know where they're from. They left town at dusk as the gates were about to close. I don't know where they went. And if you hurry, you can probably catch up with them. So actually what she had done is she had taken them up to the roof. She had hid them underneath some bushels of flax that she had just laid out. Verse 7. So the king's men went looking for the spies along the road leading to the shallow crossings of the Jordan River. As soon as the king's men had left, the gate of, the, of Jericho was shut. Before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up to the roof to talk with them. I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. We are all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror. For we have heard how the Lord made a dry path uh, for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we know what you did to Sihon and Og, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. For the Lord your God is, is the supreme God of the heavens above the earth, above and, and the earth below. Verse 12, we're almost done. Now swear to me, now this is her talking to these two guys. Now swear to me by the Lord that you will be kind to me and my family since I have helped you. Give me some guarantee when Jericho is conquered, you will let me live along with my father and my mother, my brothers and sisters and all of their families. We offer our own lives as a guarantee for your safety, the men agreed. If you don't betray us, we will keep our promise and be kind to you when the Lord gives us the land. The land. So pretty cool story here. Interesting story here. Interesting things taking place right now. So Rahab, what she did was um, actually, so I want to encourage you, you should read it on yourself because some cool things took place after that. But she actually um, let them, it helped them escape the city by lowering down, uh, lowering down them over the city wall by a rope and helped them escape that way. Um, So why in the world is James talking in the New Testament bringing up a prostitute from the Old Testament. So Rahab could have been killed for helping the, uh, the Israelites. Instead, uh, what she did was she put her life on the line. You know, the king's men were coming to her, and they're like, hey, listen, I know they're here. They were here. What, uh, and, and so what she did was she put her life on the line to rescue these men. She risked it all, all, for, all because she was obeying God. And as a result... She saved herself and her entire family. So last week, uh, when Nick was preaching, he talked about Abraham and how he was considered righteous in his faith. So, but, and that's one thing. I mean, we've heard about Abraham, how like he was, he was a great man of God and how he, he did these great and wonderful things and, and he, um, how he was chosen by God. And then we look at Rahab, on the other hand, who actually wasn't even one of God's chosen people. However, her faith, her faith in God um, and her willingness to risk it all for her faith resulted in her salvation. So Rahab, she was counted with the righteous, even though she wasn't one of God's chosen people, and all because she backed up her faith with her actions. So here's what I want you to know tonight. You will always act according to what you believe. Every time, what you believe, you're going to act on what you believe. Like, and if you really want to know what you believe, 
Don't just listen to the words that come out of your mouth, but what are your actions saying? What are your actions? And, and maybe you're in this room, you're like, I want to be a great athlete. Um, and, and you say it with your mouth, but you're laying on the couch in, in all of your free time. You're spending all your time, I want to be amazing, I want to be the best at, at, at softball. But you're not working on catching, you're not working on hitting. You know what I'm saying? Like, your actions, you can say one thing with your mouth, but what are your actions saying? So Rahab, her story makes it really clear that when we back up our faith with our actions, the people in our world are led to salvation. Think about this. The people around your life, you guys in this, here in this room tonight, the people around your life could be led to salvation when you back up your faith with action. Your friends at school. Maybe I've talking, talked to a lot of you guys in here. Um, you, you want your parents to be saved. You want your family to be saved. You want your friends to be saved. You want people around you, close to you, people that you love to know Jesus. That could come with faith paired with action. How amazing would it be if, if our student ministry right here, our, our youth group right here, were growing the church by getting your parents, by getting your families, by getting your friends saved? That would be pretty amazing because faith paired with action, it brings salvation. We're going to look real quick at, a, at another verse, and then I have a few more things, and we're going to jump into fam time tonight. Uh, in Titus 2, 11 and 12, it says this, For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. And we are instructed to turn from God, godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, with righteousness, and with devotion to God. He's not saying we got to run from all the evil things, like we, we're, we need to hide and we need to be scared of everything. He's saying, hey, we, we got to live in this world, but we got to live with wisdom and righteousness and a devotion to God. See, God's grace in our lives, it empowers us to live in such a way that our faith and our actions line up. And it's God's grace that bring, brings people to salvation. So last year, um, at about the same time of the year last year, um, in, in like just a series of, of a month and a half, two months, my sister died. Kristen was, was diagnosed with cancer and Jackson was diagnosed with diabetes. And, and throughout that whole process, it, and it was like, it was devastating. Like, I, I've, I've cried until I couldn't cry enough, and then I could, would cry some more. And it was just heartbreaking, and it was devastating to us and, and to, to go through these things. And it was, it was really difficult. But what we learned over this time is that people were watching us. Not like in a weird, creepy way, like peeking out their blinds or like binoculars or anything like that. Like, people were watching us, not, not in a weird way, but they watched how we responded, how our family responded to that adversity, to, to death, to cancer, to diabetes, all like in a couple months' time. But what we saw was God's grace at work in our lives. And looking back, we had so many people coming to us 
and saying stuff like, I, I watched how you walk through these things. Your sister's death, Kristen's cancer, Jackson's diabetes. And don't get me wrong, we're still walking through these things. We still battle with some of these things. But they said, I watched you walk through all this and you stayed faithful. You still praise God through it all. And, and they said too, watching you walk through this increased my faith. See, God wants to partner with you to see more people come to salvation. God wants to work with you and through you to see more people find faith, to find Jesus, to find salvation. And I wanna challenge you tonight to let God's grace empower you to live in such a way that honors him with everything that you do and with everything that you are. Whether it might be in your workplace, it might be in your home, it might be in your school. I've had students who, who get their families saved and get their families um, in a relationship with Jesus. I've had students who, um, in the past when we were in Joplin, a girl who started a, a campus club on her school and led 30 friends to Christ just in one, one year. I, I've seen students who, who when, their faith, um, when, when their faith is paired with action, and they begin to put it into action. They begin to see God move. I've seen great moves of God happen through students just like you guys. And I don't know if you believe, like, maybe God can't use me. I'm messed up. I've made mistakes. I've done some bad things. I want you to know that you're wrong. He can. He can use you. He can use you to, 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 find your, to save your friends. He can use you to, to save your, your basketball team, your football team, your volleyball team, softball, cheer, whatever it is. God can use you in ways that you never dreamed possible if you'll just let him, if you'll allow him to use you in those ways.